Hey there, welcome to the Night Force Action Report. It's episode number 210 for Tuesday, May 17th, 2022 from HorribleNight.com. I am your host, Justin Lacey, here to run through what's had our attention, plus some video games <laughs> with, as always, my co-host Ryan Billingsley. Hey, it's good to be here. Oh, as always. Okay, okay. <laughs> right in this chair. During a yeah, an interesting time in video games, we're going to talk about uh, Bethesda just delaying the rest of the year, just giving up. We're all packing it in. We didn't learn a lesson in 2021. We'll do video games next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, but I do want to take a step back and look at all the games that Blizzard is making and kind of react to them because they had a announcement in our week or so off. Um, but yeah, let's get caught up on some other stuff. What have you been? What have you been into? Oh, let's well, let's group this stuff. Okay. So we're gonna do general TV first. Okay. Um, we finished the first season mm. of Severance. Uh, one of the best finales I have ever watched on television. I Just, s- I saw that. I saw that. Oh my gosh! I couldn't breathe during the whole thing. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, I love that season. I love that show. It's huh. okay. <clears throat> it just gives me very, um, like we we throw it out there a lot of things that give you lost vibes, okay. but like there is just like tons of mystery of like what what can possibly happen in this this world that they have created. Um, that is really fun. So very very much enjoying that. Um, I like kept thinking about the last episode for like a week after I watched it, just like every day. Like I would just be in the kitchen. I'd be like, I just can't, I can't believe, I can't believe that episode. I can't believe that. Like it was, it was great. So they, but they've done a season two. Yeah. That was the, uh, is that why it was back or is no, no like it, this is, it. The, this, this is the first season. I don't know what I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, I was—I mean, I knew that that show was getting. Everybody was talking about it. For some reason, I thought it was the second season of it. Um, oh no, this is first season. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. And Penguin, I don't—I want to hear any of your nonsense. <laughs> I'm not—I'm not having it. I love that show. Um, I started rewatching Super Cub, another show I don't recommend anybody else watch, but I love dearly. Um, and it is like my go-to, like, uh, super chill show. Uh, it also had me briefly looking at buying a scooter because that's how much I love that show. Uh, but it's good if you never, if you really need something uh, chill. Um, it's a great anime to jump. It's it's not very long. But yeah, it's nice. I was like that one. But that one stuck with you. you. Brought definitely brought it up before. Yeah, I like it. Uh, okay, now let's get into. We didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, Formula One at all, so I'm gonna mm. two parter here. Okay, I finished Drive to Survive finally. Uh, it took me forever uh to get there. You are well into a new season now, but God, I, um, I, yeah, I can't believe I, I got through that in a weekend. <laughs> yeah, just- yeah, you 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 powered through. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, I think I hate Red Bull more than ever. Yeah, like after I finished that season, I was just like, they are the whiniest constant victims and it drives me absolutely up a wall and anna kept asking me like 
is this the producers like kind of like you know they've got like a bent like they're trying to make them look bad and like no this is how they were during that season like that you don't have to make them look bad they just did it on a regular basis of being super whiny there was like a point where it's like you know if we run into them we get a penalty but if they run into us nothing happens and i was just like fuck off what are you talking about i mean i haven't watched much but have you ever watched max drive like i know (laughs) he's it's you're gonna get out of his way And then it was like watching that celebration all over again made me really, really upset because I remember how mad I was the first time because like, this is a joke. This is just, I can't believe we're doing this. Um, I think that's the most interesting thing for me of being completely ignorant going into that show of, I mean, I knew what had happened, but it didn't have any state. There's no stakes. So I was just kind of like, oh man, that's, that's weird. That was kind of, but yeah, now that I'm getting more invested, I'm like, no, that's. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was bad, but great, great season. Yes. I love that show. Great show. Great I'm glad show. that they have resigned for two more years. Um, <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how many drivers are going to keep dropping off of that thing, though. Like, <laughs> I, I'm so there is a thing where after a race, you are required, even if you crash out of the race, you are required to go to the media pit mm-hmm. and do mm-hmm. an interview, and if you don't do it, you get fined. Mm-hmm. I can see where they get to a point where this is so strategic to their growth in the United States that they start putting the screws to some of these drivers. Oh, sure. No, you need to do this. It's not optional anymore. Um, We'll see. Max, your brand kind of needs you to do it. Like, I don't think he is not. I don't think he understands. Like, you, I understand that you're worried about editors doing stuff to your words, but you are not in control of this story at all. And like, don't get to say anything. So I don't know. I don't. I don't understand what he's doing. So that also leads. We talk about growth in America. We had a new race in the United States in Miami, in a parking lot around a football field <laughs> with a fake harbor, which I don't know. They still also, can't get. Yeah, it was. I. I. I got it. I got it. And like when I saw it all together, I got it. Like as far as because yeah. they, they had a fake beach on the other side, right? Like it was that at least yeah. thematically made sense. But when it was, you know, when people were just passing along, they they're making a fake. They put in boats and some fake water, it's, and yeah. I don't know what was going on, but those have been those have been fun seats to <laughs> be on one of yeah. those boats watching the cars go around. Yeah, um, I would say. Overall, it was a pretty boring race. Uh, and then right at the end, we kind of had like a impromptu uh, sprint race that was actually a lot of fun. Uh, it didn't really turn out to change anything, but it was still it was at least an exciting, mm-hmm. exciting part of the race. But overall, I thought it was kind of a boring race. It's a it's an interesting track. It's got some peril to it. Um, there was a lot of red flags during the earlier sessions, but uh, yeah, the race kind of just settled into what it was so that'll happen to you uh but the one thing that cracked me up just maybe the dumbest trophy ceremony i have ever seen and it really um it's like when you're an adult working at a marketing agency and you have to do something that's targeting kindergartners and so you end up like really pandering and like like being kind of like condescending even though you don't 
maybe that wasn't your intention. And I just feel like that's how Europe treats us. Like they just think we're the biggest bunch of dummies. So they're like, I know what you Americans like. You like football and you like cowboys. Like there was literally like McLaren at one point during the weekend just tweeted out America. And I was just like, fuck, what? How dumb do you think we all are? And the answer is very dumb. They think we're very, very dumb. Do they just think that their easiest way in is through the NASCAR fans, maybe? I don't. I don't know. I I would think that there's this whole growing segment of Premier League fans who are in the United States now. And like, you're more likely to get them on board with some Eurocentric sport than yes. you are NASCAR fans. They are not going to give a crap. Like, they clearly don't care about the racing. Mm. They're more akin to people who would enjoy like a, a good wrestling match mm-hmm. versus a, a methodical strategic you know, race that's happening. So it just cracks me up every time. And it's, it's, it's always bad when they go to Austin. Cause it's just, everybody's wearing cowboy boots. Well, and that's just Texas. Like, that's not it. Like that's I, no, I know I get other it. Other Texas events like, do that. But the, the Miami thing is weird because they had a, you know, it's a new race and they had a, a moment in time to put their stamp on it. And it just came across as cheesy and bad, uh, oh, especially man. cause that last shot, the shot, you know, the victory shot with the podium, Dan Marino's dumb statue's head is right in the middle <laughs> of it. And it's just, <laughs> he, yeah, that's that like, yeah, my, the dolphins are not Miami. Like, I feel like, I feel like the heat are more Miami, like Lando and his basketball helmet was more. Yeah, that was cool. Miami culture than the dolphins. Like, and they all went to a basketball game after the race. Like there was a playoff game happening. So they all, there was like a bunch of Formula One guys that went to the race and like, yeah, they just, they got to figure something out because it was. Especially because you've got, now you've got multiple uh, races in the United States. So this doesn't have to be America's race. This is Miami's race. And yes. And Miami's got such uh, yeah. like interesting culture. <laughs> yeah. Like, tap into some of that. Yeah, it was weird. Also, there's a large contingent of people from South America that travel to those races because they sure. they have Brazil, and then they'll come up and and watch the race in Austin, and probably go to Miami. And like, you got a huge, you know, like Latin American and Cuban American like population in Miami. Like, it's weird. Let's come on. Is come it, on. You're right. It. it, it it felt like it was in Texas because they celebrated football and cowboys in America and not. Was, yeah. But also they had a fake Marina. So. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So last thing I had, uh, I've been um, trying, trying to build a guitar now for at least a couple. I feel it feels like forever, but I think it's probably <laughs> been like a month. I don't know. Um, and uh, I, I did one of the hardest parts, which is, is shaping a neck. Uh, and then I ended up, this is kind of getting way into the weeds, but in a guitar neck, if you've never, if you've never known this about guitar necks, there is a metal rod that runs in the neck. It's called a truss rod. And basically it is to counteract what happens to wood when it takes on moisture or let's go of moisture. Cause it wants to go, it wants to bend one way or the other. And so this metal rod pulls it back so that it's straight and you you put a channel in the neck to drop this rod in well i took too much wood off the back of the neck and broke into that channel so the neck is toast 
So uh, my first neck that was almost done is now garbage. Um, and so I've had to go back to like square one. Um, I'm having to build a bunch of jigs and like trying to just do everything. But I think it's just one of those things. Uh, the only reason I bring this up is like if you want to embark on something creative, I people some people say this. I don't think it gets said enough. Prepare to mess up and not do the best thing right off the bat. Like it's just going to happen. Like your first song that you record is probably not going to be your best song. Your first picture that you draw is probably not going to be your best picture. Like, but just keep doing it and learning what it is that you didn't like and how you can try and fix like that one aspect, like just work on like that one, like, I want to be better at shading. My shading sucks. And like, so then just work on shading. And um, That's good advice. Cause like, I think I steer away from having outside of sports, like having physical hobbies because I can screw up a digital file. I can screw up digital art and it doesn't feel permanent. But yeah, if I was, if I had to go out and I mean, you had a big trip to the, get some lumber you know you and yeah. you, you you had to go physically buy this stuff and go and then bring it in and shape it and then if it doesn't go as planned i think it would crush me unless i had the right perspective did yeah. did you have the right perspective going in like I, I i know you weren't building the end-all be-all guitar but i don't feel like yeah. you were building a practice guitar I like I started off thinking I was going to do that and then I realized that it was it's kind of like if you ever try to do a hobby and then you get like the cheapest tools or the cheapest materials and then you're like why is this so frustrating and it's because you kind of set yourself up for failure I was telling Anna it's kind of like akin to like people who go and start golfing and like you buy cheap clubs because you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. So I don't really want to invest in it. But the the problem is that good clubs make it easier to play golf. So you're basically like handicapping yourself right out of the gate <laughs> by playing with crappier clubs. And then it's harder to learn the game. And so I kind of just abandoned that idea because it was just like this, this I'm trying to solve problems that are not actual problems. It's just, I'm trying to build this out of crappy wood and it's not, Oh, the crappy wood doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So I just was like, screw it. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so I haven't, now I've been the, the neck that got busted was, was good. It was, it was mahogany and it was, um, I forget forget what the fretboard was, but it, it, I mean, it's probably, I don't know. It's some amount of money yeah. that I have lost now because that thing is toast. So, um, but I've, you know, I'm learning from it. And so, you know, every, every time that stuff goes wrong is another time that I can, okay, I need to make sure next time that I, you know, measure and know how much wood I can take off the back before I just start taking it off because it really felt, it was, it really felt great. Like that was the part that I was like super excited about. I'm like, this feels like a legit guitar neck and I can't believe that I was able to do that. And then I, I figured out that I had gone through. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're doing something creative, uh, you know, just, just know you, there will be some failure along the way, but that's okay. Keep at it. Good advice. I'm thinking I should have interjected my topics with yours because I could have tied them together. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to I'm enjoying the movie Rush. I've been watching it in like 30 mm. minute increments. 
Um, it's a great movie. I thought it was about different drivers. I thought there. I thought it was about a driver that I knew, but it is not. Uh, but I'm still really enjoying Hemsworth's performance and um, <laughs> what's his name you from MCU? Zemo. Is it Zemo? Is that? But you don't know who he is. No, I don't know either. The, the names are foreign oh. to me. Yeah, yeah. Nikki Lauda only died like a year or two ago. Mm. And was always in the garage for Mercedes. There is a there is a red Mercedes star on their cars mm-hmm. that is for him. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Especially where he's where I'm at in the story with him, because nobody likes him. So <laughs> uh but yeah, there was the what's his, is it Zemo from the MCU? The yeah. For, okay. Yeah. Baron Zemo. Yeah. Uh yeah, for some reason I thought it was I don't know what I thought it was. I was I mean I knew I knew Hemsworth was in there, but I thought it was like another equally handsome. I thought like it wasn't I knew it wasn't Chris Evans, but I thought it was like just, just another equally handsome uh actor playing the other guy and and yeah. But so it it's it's been a a nice surprise and and I'm really glad that I've watched the amount of F1 that I have that I can follow it a lot easier and and kind nice. of get into it. So that's that's pretty good. Um I think the big thing was just dragging my feet on finishing the last kingdom. And I'm not going to spoil it because I know you're into that show, but uh, finish season five. Uh, I think it has 10 episodes. I got through eight episodes real quickly and it, it might've been five weeks before I went back to finish nine (laughs) and then another week before I went back to 10, not because it wasn't good or not pulling me in. It's quite the contrary, but like I, I've done it with video games where I just don't want to finish the thing. I don't want it to be over. Mm. And um, yeah, it was just, it was so bizarre. And so I, I loved it so much <laughs> and I got real kind of emotional about it. Like it was just like physically bothering me that it like, I can't relive that. I can't do that again. And uh, I got so caught up in my head that I completely forgot that I knew they're doing a movie too. Like they're going to do, Oh uh, yeah, Netflix is going to do like a two hour movie to to wrap everything up. But now I'm torn because I really like where season five ended. So, mm. um, but yeah, I just I don't see very many people talking about the show. Um, I think it's easy to confuse it with some other kind of historical uh, fiction out there and historical shows and Viking shows. Um, yeah. But it is it is phenomenal um, and really interesting from. The aspect that I have, I had no idea what England's history was as far as coming together. Like to me, the like you know, Braveheart happened at some point, and then <laughs> the American Revolution. That's pretty much the extent of what I knew. So, um, that show's real damn good, and you should also finish it, right? Okay. Uh, and then started seeing you know more and more trailers and talk about the Obi Wan show. I'm still working my way slowly through uh, Boba Fett, um, not really knowing what I want out of Star Wars at this point, but I really like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, yep. and yep. I think I'm going to watch the show, even though I have no idea how they could really make something interesting about where that takes place, but benefit of the doubt, and then uh, my fiance's watched all the Star Wars with me, but she purposely avoided the prequels for a very long time. And I was like, well, if we're going to watch Obi-Wan, uh, you kind of need to see two and three. She'd already seen one. Um, mm. 
way back when, and then we rewatched it maybe six months ago. But it was just like, you know, really have to psych yourself up to watch Attack of the Clones. <laughs> um, and I always thought in my mind, I can't remember the last time I watched two and three, that there was some action scenes in Attack the Clones that like redeemed it a bit. So I knew the the story is just awful. The act, the writing, the acting, all that stuff is just a slog to even get to the end. Mm-hmm. Because there's that big arena fight where they're all kind of strung up and they have to fight these creatures. And I was a big special effects nerd around that time. And I thought I, rem- I going into that scene, I was like, oh, no, this is cool. I remember really liking this. And I'm just sitting there watching this. I was like, nope, this is also terrible. Like, there is no, like, <laughs> there the one redeeming moment or the one fun moment in Attack of the Clones is when Yoda does his lightsaber fight. Like, mm. the, all the Dooku stuff is, that's okay. But there is just, there is nothing to, to. And she just hated it start to finish. The second she got introduced to Hayden Christensen, she was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, just, <laughs> um, <laughs> So that was uh that was painful but um but then we got th- we got through it and then we were like well we got to we we got to ride this and and the next night we watched Re- Revenge of the Sith which is much more watchable still has its issues and mm. definitely uh drags on because when I remember at the time I didn't think it dragged on because the build up to the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan is a big deal and you want that yeah. to like be a, a big focus of the movie but it's kind of like a movie happens and then they do that scene and it's yeah. it's pretty big so um it's a yeah. good fight though it's it's yeah i mean that's a that's a watchable movie i wouldn't throw revenge of the sith away but i still think that whole that two episode arc there's a much better way to tell that story across probably yeah. three movies and make them a little bit more interesting but yep. uh, um yeah uh so that's that's done um i don't think i'll ever have to do that again and hopefully I can remember I don't have to do that again because there really wasn't even a reason to watch three. Like, like I know that movie kind of works, but um, whew, those are, they're sad. And I'm, it's like, I'm just trying to think of how I feel about the prequels compared to the the sequel trilogy. Like, I mm-hmm. just don't even know how that, how, how that all lands yet, but it makes four, five, and six better every time i watch them so <laughs> when's the last time you watched those two movies um we watched one and two with the girls when we were doing like a watch through of like all of them um we didn't watch three i think we started it and they yeah. said i, mean, I don't uh, yeah yeah that movie gets it's like I think the biggest problem I have with three is that the tone that they set in one and two is does not prepare you for how dark three three goes. And so it's just like it feels completely out of place where you're like, wow, this is like some of the worst stuff that's happened in any Star Wars movie of of the nine. And the tone does not feel like that at all. And doesn't feel yeah, it doesn't feel earned to even no, do it. Super weird. The so, thing yeah. I was looking for though is like I wanted to find a cut of there are probably a half a dozen moments in each movie where something dramatic happens. Usually like Sam Jackson or Yoda or Obi Wan are involved in the scene because they can act. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and they will deliver some lines and then somebody else 
will say the obvious line that even doesn't even need to be said. <laughs> like, um, Anakin has a bunch of cheesy ones of just like, if even if you just looked in the camera and said nothing, it would have gotten it across. But then they also then added a line. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's basically sums up by the the no, like at the end, like that scene works without you screaming the dumb thing. And I was like, I I wanted to find a cut of if anybody's just like kind of cut all of those out to see if it make if the impact is a little bit better. Yeah. But the scary thing is the first thing that came up was like, here's our four hour recommended cut for episode three. Cause they, they're like, you need to watch these three episodes, final three episodes of the clone wars. And then there's also this other animated thing. And that needs to go here in the middle. It's like, why would you want to draw that out (laughs) even more? (laughs) It's a bunch of battle stuff. Like the battle that's happening at the, or the chase that's happening at the beginning and the battle that kind of happens at the end. And yeah. Whoo. Uh, yeah. Four hours of episode three. That's a lot. Um, that is a lot. And then I want to give a shout out to uh, Return to Dark Tower because that continues to be my tabletop game of choice. I went down to Louisville last weekend. Last weekend. No, two weekends ago. Um, Hung out with Cole. Got to see Cole. That was fun. But also got to show him a few tabletop games and that game also landed really well with him. So uh, that game is close to appearing in stores. They're finally kind of finished their fulfillment of all the Kickstarter stuff. So... I'm just bringing it up in case you end up seeing it in stores. I highly recommend it because it's super cool. Um, cool. And then we went down there and we've started, we may have started a tradition. I feel like we have to do it for a third year in a row for it to officially become a tra- tradition. But we go down to Louisville during, uh, out of coincidence, during uh, Derby weekend. And we take advantage of everyone being at the Derby and we go get steaks at a nice steak restaurant. <laughs> Um, and so we did that, we did that last year and that was during, um, you know, it was, it was after, you know, spring of COVID, um, a year after COVID man, you know, just thinking through all that, but restaurants are open, but really spaced out. And we, we went to this place and it just felt like we had a private steak dinner because it was so spaced out and also not busy. Mm. Um, and so we thought we would get that again, um, but granted, they, you know, kind of removed some of their uh, restrictions, like people are um, tables are a lot closer and that sort of thing. But we get there, uh, and they had just opened, and they're seating all their initial um, reservations. They seat a couple uh, in front of us, and then a couple more tables, and then they seat us, and we back, walk back into their kind of big dining hall. And the I see the couple that was ahead of us. They're sitting kind of in this corner booth, and I'm looking out all over the tables, and they sit us next to them. <laughs> so they've got a table two, we've got a table four. The entire rest of the meal, there are no other people like sitting down. <laughs> so by the time we left, they had not sat another table in our section, and well, um. It took. It, I don't get too riled up at at service workers these days, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. or in or historically. But it 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 almost got got me as as far as just like why why did you sit us here? Like we're this is like a you know a nice expensive meal. Like we're paying for the experience, and then it feels like we we're all shoved in the corner with another couple that also didn't want us there, and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, that was uh, that was super bizarre. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was weird. 
Um, but the steak was good. Wagyu's for days. Um, I think that's it. Let's uh, move on to the video games. Uh, we're going to keep... What's what? What did I skip? The no. both? No, we're doing that after the show because we're, we're going to talk about Doctor Strange after the show. Okay. We're going to record it. And I might post it. <laughs> we're doing a we're doing a post show, but we're gonna do spoilers, so I'm not messing with it on. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, sorry, you must have missed that note earlier. So, yeah, if you want, Doctor, I didn't see that. If you want your MCU Doctor Strange conversation, we have both seen the movie, and uh, but we have not <laughs> talked about it at all. So no, except- I didn't even read the spoiler thread, so I have no <laughs> idea how anybody felt about it. Nice. Um, as far as Night Force goes. Still still pushing through on Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Twitch TV slash Horrible Night. The reason I say that is kind of related to our next topic. You know, if, if the games aren't happening, if there's not much to talk about, we will adjust our schedule accordingly. But when we record Monday nights, Twitch TV slash Horrible Night, 10 p.m. Eastern, podcast feeds on Tuesday, um, you can at least expect it a couple times a month, um, but we will keep you posted on a weekly basis. Uh, when we're going or when we're passing. So um, that's pretty much it around Horrible Night for the summer. Um, so let's get into our first drop and let's talk about... Uh, I said this the other week, they are who we thought they were. Uh, we're not shocked by this delay, but Bethesda kind of... Uh, it, it was funny. They, I saw a bunch, a bunch of the Xbox social accounts, like they were posting that they were basically having a day at Bethesda and they were promoting the team and saying, we're having a great time at Bethesda. And then uh, some news came out, right? Bethesda announced that Starfield uh, and Redfall, whatever, (laughs) but, but Starfield, which was slated to come out in the fourth quarter of this year is getting pushed to 2023. Um, yeah, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Xbox accounts because it was like after this announcement was the is Xbox having a bad year? <laughs> like it's I feel like it started dawning on people because I think that there was a little bit riding on Starfield. Um, there, as far as we know right now, there is nothing coming out the rest of the year. That's big triple A like there, there's just there's just not it's call like of duty. everything huh <laughs> call of duty that was the meme i saw yeah call of duty that's right then what it, and, and even that was like is warzone 2 going to be part of that who knows you know that might get pushed too um yeah so let's talk about this first from uh you know bethesda's point of view i you know maybe the really least surprising news like of course it was probably going to get pushed they they weren't doing a media build-up that felt like this game was coming out in the fall it was very much like what is starfield (laughs) like what what am i excited about i don't even know uh it's more like the idea of space skyrim is exciting but we we don't know what this game is going to actually be about yet they put a date to it that was always the most bizarre thing of yeah like at this point bethesda we know the score we know how your releases go we're on the same like just put it out when you're ready and you don't even have to warn us 
but they that's the only thing that rubs me the wrong way with all of this of just like but you put a date to it for no real reason um yeah and um yeah i do wonder what kind of state it is in and what it will be when it launches yeah and and you can very easily put this up against breath of the wild 2 which nintendo came out and said yeah it's not coming out till next year but they never told us when it was coming out so i was just like that's not even a delay to me. I just assumed at this point it was coming out next year they, sometime. At like, one point they at one point they had a year to it. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, but that doesn't mean it. Like yeah, but yeah. when you're putting a very specific it was like a specific date. It wasn't just like Q4 2022. It was like they put that specific date in that trailer. So yeah, I, I definitely an unforced error on Bethesda's part. You didn't need to do this. Obviously, nobody wants to play a busted Starfield. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, take your time and get it right because, my goodness, if you put out another crappy game, you know the headlines are going to be: Has Bethesda lost it? Do you know? Do they? Did they even have it? You know, well, it's the other uh, opinion I kind of supported too. Is like you can't, you can't even just release a normal Bethesda game with Bethesda bugs in a post cyberpunk world of just like yeah. you're open, you're getting opened up to being eaten alive even more so than you have in the past. And um, yeah, no one's really pressuring you. Otherwise, I don't even feel like Xbox is that type of overlord. Like, yes, it would have been nice for them to have another game out, but like that platform is working without their studios game. So when their studios games start churning out, like, then it's then it's a whole different ball game. But until then, yeah. like I don't know, Xbox seems to be doing okay. They're they're treading water fine, um, and they're yeah. they're making good platform deals and decisions. And the games, you know, once the games start coming out, they're going to be coming out pretty pretty steadily. I think. Yeah. Um. So what does this mean? Like we said, for the rest of the year, but also for the beginning of next year. Uh, obviously, like we said. The, uh, Right now, as far as we know, and I'm only saying this because we don't know what's to deal with Ragnarok, but I don't think Ragnarok is coming yeah. out this year. Yeah. Um, it does not look like there's going like we thought this year could could mm-hmm. be crazy, and it turns out that uh, Elden Ring was crazy, mm-hmm. and then that's gonna be it. Um, and as it- far as just like throw down obvious game of the year uh what's number two like that'll be exactly yeah like what's two through five um that's an interesting question because elden ring is going to just absolutely destroy everybody the other thing i was thinking about of once that delay hit i was like how ridiculous does it feel now that uh horizon released when it did like it basically Mm. had the rest of the calendar to work with i do think it's still a tougher road for Horizon if they release post Elden Ring because Elden Ring just shifted everybody's perspective a bit. But mm-hmm. but also like a lot of that design talk and just deep dive into um into how Elden Ring works is be was because it was fresh off the back of um templated video game that was uh, Horizon for better or for worse and yeah I th- both games. I'm curious how they would have done if both had been allowed to breathe a little bit uh, away from each other. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's I like 
we've been talking about Elden Ring, Runaway, Game of the Year, and then it's so easy to for I'm I'm forgetting. I even like Horizon Forbidden West a lot, and I look forward yeah. to finishing it. Um, but I I already forgot that like that happened this year. Like, because there just yeah. seems like there's games before Elden Ring, and now they're we're living in in a post Elden Ring world where even some of the indie stuff I'm playing, I'm just like. I don't have to, I don't know if I need to deal with some of this these design decisions. I can just go enjoy myself over here. It's super weird because yeah. it's just it's still in it'll be in the back of my mind for the next year until the next big game does something different, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that kind of what what you're saying is is kind of a perfect segue into what I think um was the thing that really came up to me is were we're in this situation. I think you're exactly right. I think if Forbidden West comes out in July or August, mm-hmm. I think a lot more people are like, yeah, this is a really good game because it had some time to breathe and you're kind of getting that talent of like a lot of people have like dropped off of Elden Ring at this point and, you know, are ready for something else. Um, but because of how, how, you know, the, the fiscal years work for video games. You know, there's a reason why everything is getting pushed into that February, March window. And that's because they want to get it all in um, so that they can, they can, you know, recognize revenue or whatever it is that they need to do for that fiscal year. And so, you know, there's already people who are like, Oh my goodness, is it going to be like breath of the wild to Starfield? God of War 2, um, I forget what else has been delayed this year. It feels like everything's been delayed this year. Uh, you know, is that all going to just be like another like February, March? Here we go again. We're yeah. just going to throw everything at you. And, you know, I, I, I just I just don't. I mean, I know that they're sinking money into developing these games. So they want to recoup that money that they have put into getting it as fast as they can. And they want to try and do it in like the current fiscal year, if it, if at all possible. Um, but man, you know, go ahead, put Starfield out when breath of the wild two comes out and see how much we give a crap about it. <laughs> like maybe I'll play it later when it comes out in game pass. I mean, cause it'll be day and day on game pass, but like, the, you're you're putting yourself in just the worst possible scenario, and the reason that you're doing it is because you want to see sales for that. So your strategy is, I'm going to put it out in a window where there's going to be a bunch of games that people want, and you have, you know, customers with fixed amount of money that they can spend on video games, and now you're forcing them to make a decision. And guess what? Your new IP from you know, a, a studio that frankly has not put out great stuff on day one, you know, as far as polish goes, is going to go up against the sequel to one of the best games of all time. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. And I don't know how we fix this, but I feel like I feel like it's fundamentally broken. I feel I, like I if we it's... go through another February, March like this, it's just going to be so dumb. And I hate to see that because. Forbidden West is a good game. It's just how how do you compete with another game that just like kind of rewrote the book on open world games? Like that's a hard thing to go up against. 
It's uh, but it's also funny because the whole February March release uh used to be just you know the kind of safety net for the games that were actually targeted for holiday, and now it mm-hmm. seems like um the they the holidays become kind of secondary. It's just like just make sure you get it out before the end of the year, and like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like no. I mean, and so many, and I'm just left with like so many of those February games would have been much better released in the summer. Like it's just those priorities have shifted, and we're in just such a weird time with um, a lot of these games that were in core during core milestones during the pandemic and that whole adjustment to uh, how that disrupted the workplace a bit. Um, so, but I do feel like once this wave of games starts to hit it will be a lot more consistent i think we just i think we incorrectly assumed uh that this year was that year that it would they'd get that figured out because last year was so dry um Mm -hmm. and so maybe you know there will be maybe jeff has a lot of announcements for us in june here that will uh really fill out 2023 but man it's not the only thing that has felt a little bit repetitive as far as like uh, getting your hopes up at, uh, this year versus last year. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they kind of break that cycle, but I don't know why they create their own problems with, I know, you know, Xbox is going to say they're too big to like settle the release states based on what other companies are doing. But, you know, not every Marvel movie isn't released on the same day. Like it's, it's just right. some of these, some of these big games have to they you you can make room for each other and um i think it's a really good point is that's the that's the example that we have seen like we have seen oh a new star wars movie is coming out on that date well we're not going to release our movie that week yeah because we know that people won't go to see it because it's going to get crowded out because theaters are going to put more cinemas dedicated to this new huge movie and our movie's not going to get as much you know like time slots that people can buy tickets for. We won't get as many ticket sales. And then you get that first, you know, it's like, Oh, that week, you know, whatever movie got crushed, Mm -hmm. absolutely crushed by, by this, you know, other big thing. And I just don't know why that hasn't come to the video game world. Like, I think they just think that no matter what people will just buy all of the games, but I just don't like, I see good games not getting, as much sales as they might have had they had an open window. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. But we're also talking about in a world where horizon didn't learn it the first time and had even less oxygen <laughs> this time. So, I mean, in fairness to them, the first time they didn't know what they were going up against. Like mm-hmm. we didn't know that breath of the wild was going to be that good. Cause I really liked, uh, um, yeah, the first couple days. Playing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like took the day off and I was like super into it. And then it's just started playing Breath of the Wild and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is is something completely new and different and awesome. And I love it. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we don't repeat this uh, next next year. Um, Games of the week time. I've been playing a bunch of little stuff. Um, I think my game of the week. Yeah, let's do, let's dig in. Let's dig into Salt and Sacrifice, which is. Ska Studios, uh, pseudo sequel to Salt and Sanctuary. Yes. Um, oh, anyway, I've been longtime fans of Ska Studios since the dishwasher, and I made a game with zombies in it back in their XBLA days. Um, 
but they had a lot of success with uh, Salt and Sanctuary's kind of 2D take on the Souls-like formula. Um, lots of lots of big fans, but the problem is fans of that this genre are not uh, forgiving. <laughs> they are um, they have expectations and. Um, it's difficult uh, to change things up on them because the thing that appeals to me the most, even though it's kind of broken in Salt and Sacrifice, is it's got the Souls-like formula as far as how your runs go and your leveling up goes. But they also have a little, just a just the smallest dash of Monster Hunter in it because you're you're hunting these mages um, that the first fight you actually kind of have to track them down around the 2D map and. Um, after you fight them once, then they start showing up regularly on the map. Um, and they will drop gear uh, that you can complete gear sets with, which I like, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like having uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of different gear and a lot of different gear for different purposes. So that's appealing to me, but hunting down these mages has not been fun. And also some of the combat design, it seems to be really focused on, and I haven't done it but it seems to be really focused on assuming you have a co-op buddy playing it. Like, granted, mm. he he partnered with another development studio to for them to focus on the multiplayer, and I think it runs pretty well, and I would love to try it. But I really think this game might be best played with a friend. Um, mm. And uh, But I'm grinding through it kind of single player, but also kind of playing it just because it's the only thing kind of different in my library. But every time I play, I'm like, I should just go back to Elden Ring because that's the thing with souls likes right now. Like no matter the scale of them, like, cause there's, there's a, there's a thing with souls like runs where if you're, you know, when you're up against that wall and you're dying multiple times, the bosses, or you can't get through a challenge. Um, if you walk away from a session without doing that thing, it kind of feels like wasted time. And it's doubly so when you know there's another game that's kind of doing that stuff better that you do get enjoyment out of. So I'm kind of fighting this game. Um, I haven't decided if it's better than the original, but I mean, I think the combat is better. I think it's just uh, improved all the way around uh, the board. But like there's there's something off with uh, these mage hunts because uh, the first one I cared about farming, I can't find him. Because I think he's like behind a door that I haven't unlocked yet. And it's not even... So it's like, I don't know if I've gone far enough or how far I have to get. But I feel like I need to farm this guy to do the next thing. But he's behind that door. So there's some balance stuff that I'm working off there. But um, it's um, it's a really good 2D version of this formula. And I, li- I think it has... I think that kind of... Uh, the gear hunting um, is is a smart addition, but um, it's also kind of at odds with that whole thing of when you fight a Souls boss, do you really and you beat him finally? Do you really want to fight him again? <laughs> yeah. Um. So um, yeah, it's got interesting ideas, and it's I I don't want it to get lost, and it's better than some of the other uh, stuff I've been playing, but um. Yeah, there's still something a little bit off about Salt and Sacrifice. But maybe, yeah, maybe I'll play it with Coop console-wise since he's not on the PC anymore. Um, other shout-outs from the past couple weeks. Um, the other game I kind of passed on, terrible, terrible first impression of Loot River. Like, I bought that game blindly. I thought it had a... It, I mean, it does have a really cool mechanic with the way that you do some platforming stuff with moving 
yeah. uh, blocks and bridges around and the kind of Tetranemo style and, and solving some platforming issues that way. But I have bounced off hard from the combat. I don't. Mm. So I don't like it, um, especially because I still have Rogue Legacy 2 to play. And that was kind of satisfying my roguelike runs. And with as many roguelikes there as there are out there right now, and as many great ones, like I didn't have much patience for this one and, and it has some balance uh, issues. So hmm. um, yeah, it just uh, did not rub me the right way, but um, I'll keep so, an eye on it if they, because the devs have um, kind of stated that fact that they think that they kind of fucked up on the learning curve for it. So hmm. um, yeah, um, but that's on game pass. So you can try it out for yourself. Um, and then I also picked up Circuit Superstars. Um, nice. And really digging that. The thing with me and racing games is uh-huh. I remember picking up an F1 game, renting it at one point in my life, uh, because I thought I like racing games. And these, this is a, I used to like my little Indy 500 game. But even my old Indy 500 game, it's very much just put the push the accelerator down and just go. Like you don't mm. have to. There's not much strategy to it. And I hated those F1 games because you couldn't do that. You had to like learn the track. And again, uh-huh. only from this past crash course in the last three or four months of F1 do I understand the strategy that goes into that stuff. Um, and the fact that they were able to kind of do that with a top-down kind of RC program looking thing. It's super cool, but it's going to take a lot of work for me to get any any good at it. So, um, and it makes me wonder, I was like, should I put the time into this or should I try to get into a, like actual F1 that game? But I don't know. Mm, that's tough. I think, so I think I really want to just play it like one time online because I don't know the tracks either. Every <laughs> single time I go into one, I'm just like, well, which one is this? Um, and that is hard because it does feel like you need to memorize track layouts for that game. But I think if you're playing it and you both equally didn't really know the track, uh, I bet it would be more fun. Yeah. I mean, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I, the, it looks great. I love the art style to it. Yeah, I think it's really, they did a great job. Presentation's fantastic. So, um, and then continued shout out to Rogue Legacy 2. That is the game that I keep going back to, just doing runs every every now and then um, into the, still into the second area. But uh, yeah, that game is just the depth that they added to it. Like there's just a lot, a uh, lot to do in that game and very fun and rewarding, rewarding moment to moment. So the surprise of the last couple of weeks was a really, I don't like this title because it's a suit. It, I don't know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of like, just a throwaway game on itch, maybe, but Song of Conquest does not seem like anything I might dive into, but take a look at one screenshot of that game, and uh, that pixel art is amazing, and the animation mm. of that pixel art is amazing, and it's a, it's a kind of a turn-based strategy game at its, at its core, and I've been really kind of into that for my tabletop stuff, so um, kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Advance Wars, Fire Emblem, that style of... Um, battles but you're also doing some strategic stuff with the overworld map in between battles so um yeah it's just it's gorgeous it's in early access right now so keep an eye on that lots of but it has a lot of content in it already so um and then finally big surprise um a couple weeks ago aaron got his play date and he was in i think the shipping number around like in the three thousands and at that point it looked like they were shipping out about a thousand a week 
Um, and I'm up in the 7,000s. I basically got my play date two weeks earlier than I expected. So that was kind of a wonderful um, nice surprise this weekend. And my fiance is really taken to the thing because it's adorable. And uh, she's enjoyed the... Uh, the it, it came with two games ready to go, and then I had my first Monday today that it, it launched a couple other games. So I still don't have um, a game I'm super into, but I still think the thing is uh, just uh, a night, a fun little handheld. So, um, and I got the uh, the big demo game was kind of a, a a robot kind of running running right to left, and you just use the crank hold the whole time to move him forward or move him backward. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of got the like that seemed to be a to me like the featured game um and it's it's clever this fun little play sessions reminds me of honestly i feel like i'm sitting down with a game boy like there's mm. a real big nostalgic hit to it but it's really well put together and uh excited to see um if any other games really land with me but also i'm, I'm pretty pretty happy with it from from the get-go cool all right second drop um so Kind of wanted to do a gut check for multiple reasons on how we're feeling about Blizzard games. Because uh, they've been quiet in the news um, very recently. Because um, really we had all of the terrible workplace stuff. Uh, and then the whole Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. In the meantime, there's teams of people still working on games. And the stuff they have on the immediate horizon... It's kind of kind of weird. Like it just to think of these these are the next games we're going to get on the other side of everything that has happened with an Activision Blizzard. Um this was on the the tail end of I gave up on World of Warcraft. Um I was super into that maybe a year and a half, two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um because their I thought their Shadowlands expansion was gonna be good. I thought the setting looked really cool it did not go over well and then they've just they've announced a new expansion for that um that is just focused on dragons and just feels like this weird uh disconnected expansion of just like Hmm. uh, i don't know it just not the answer that i was looking for um in the meantime they they were really hyping up this announcement of a mobile game coming for for warcraft and i'm just like I mean, I guess this is announced better than the Diablo mobile game was announced, but um, they basically showed this uh, Arclight Rumble, which looks like any other, what was like the Clash Royale game is what it reminded me of. Um, Oh, okay. Of just like a game that it seems like they saw that thing take off and they wanted one of those for their own. And it took them this long to make it. And it's, (laughs) it's fine, but almost doesn't even need like an announcement. Let's just like just put that thing out and let it be because it yeah it feels really weird for everything we want from Blizzard. I don't know when we're going to get it because they're also um you know being really coy with uh their Overwatch 2 beta and all the PvE content that was supposed to come to that thing and they've been debuting their PvP stuff with the new Overwatch League uh season which that sport is just not in a in a good good space. Um, was it uh, Way, Waypoint had an article this past week just about how unwatchable that game remains? Just like 
after all yep. this time on top of all the issues that have happened that game is still impossible for newcomers to watch and um and then that yeah the crown jewel here as we're only a couple weeks away from the launch of the infamous Diablo Immortal um which will be available on PC because they knew we were going to do it anyway basically was their <laughs> was their excuse um it's it's I don't know what to, if there's anything to be hyped about with Blizzard games going going in the future like do you have any any excitement any like when they make these announcements are you disappointed or do you not care um are you interested? i don't care i mean i i'm just i am holding on to whatever naive hope i still have in my being that diablo 4 somehow is going to be good even though everything that they have done and are doing and and are going to do tells me that it's going to be riddled with problems um but yeah i know i mean it's just like i haven't been on i haven't been on the art the warcraft bandwagon sure, for sure. a really long time so even even you know it, it's like not it's never going to be enough for me that it's just a uh, warcraft ip on a clash of clans skin like th- that's not that's not what's going to push me over the hill like i don't care about orcs that much um i mean even over even when they just like i guess i like oh i i you know when the last time they did something different with warcraft was hearthstone which you know we we had our time with but it's just like oh you're doing a new different warcraft project it seems like it should be a significant thing and it was just like it feels like an also ran mobile game that should have come out five years ago it was it and yeah so I like I kind of perked up of like oh new Warcraft project new direction for Blizzard new like new opportunities oh okay um we're not there yet um and it just makes me wonder what the hell else they're actually working on I think Overwatch two is I think that's the, I think that's the really big deal uh, of all of these because you know like ultimately okay it's a mobile game it's an expansion for WoW um. You know, whatever. But like Overwatch 2 was supposed to be like, no, we're going to take this thing and we're going to make it so much better. And so far, all I've heard is it's like Overwatch 1.25. Yeah. Like, like they they really did not do that much. And it doesn't even really feel that different. Um, Which, of course, like, honestly, they haven't even been at it for that long in order to justify like being a full blown, completely redone sequel. Um, and especially because they've been trying to push this on the league to get them to play it so that they can like tune it and get everything, which seems insane to me that you're having your official league play beta software. Uh, and everything they're doing around that on top of the fact that it's just not fun to watch. Um, I just don't, I don't, I don't know who that person is. Who's really excited for overwatch too. Like mm-hmm. I'm still more excited about, half-life three which is never going to happen you know like there's just nothing interesting about this at all and like i bounce off overwatch hard because i was just like i am not i am not interested in learning to be a specific role and a pv like there's just there's just nothing there for me Mm. i don't want to do that i don't want to learn how to do that you know 
that's why I was more into Warzone and PUBG than I was ever into like that that kind of mm, like gotcha. team thing because it's like unless you're playing with people you know, uh, and you know everybody's on the same page of what roles they want to do, like you're just you're just kind of like at the mercy of randomness and I none of that was fun. So I don't know, man. I, if Diablo Four sucks, I I just don't even know what Blizzard is anymore. Like that's kind of where we're at, I guess. I think that's the ultimately what I was confronting here, just looking at this this list of everything's lost a little bit of its uh allure or um you know, draw for their existing franchises and for as strong as they were, you know, they were kind of a they weren't a Disney of video games. I still feel like that's kind of a Nintendo thing, but they were close. No, this- but they like I remember like Blizzard was one of those studios when they would be like, we're not announcing a release date. It will be done when it's done. And everybody was like, yep, got it. You guys put out quality stuff. And now it's just like, that doesn't fly anymore. Like if Blizzard's like, oh, it's done when it's done. We're going to do it right. I'm like, no, you're going to fuck it up. Like, just let me know when this travesty is going to come out so we can move on and go to the next thing. Like, it's just they just do not have that same level of credibility that they used to have. And I just wonder if Xbox can salvage it. Like, if you look at, is that the Activision side of Blizzard? Like, you look at how their business models changed. Um, uh, but also, I I, you always look at it too. It was just like, uh, you could say the turnover of talent, but the, the people that they lost were all assholes, it turns out. So it's just... Yeah. Um, the but cl- also, Xbox didn't turn Halo around. Like, Halo Infinite is just really more Halo. And if you like Halo then you probably liked Halo Infinite, but it's not like they like reached new people and reinvented what that franchise was. They're just like, yeah, it's a Halo game. Here you go. Hope you like it. Like we just, we haven't seen, there are studios that I believe that are now under the Xbox banner that will put stuff out there that will push boundaries and will say, wow, that's incredible. Like, you know, like the <laughs> Senua's Sacrifice sequel already looks insane. And so I think them with more money is an interesting prospect. But hey, hey Overwatch team, we're going to give you the summer off, what, but you're going to go hang out with the Arcane Studios team for the summer <laughs> and yeah. help them out with some of their games. And then you can come back with some new ideas. <laughs> like, yeah, um, there's yeah, I think I think I think I, I'm just anxious to see what Xbox does with all of these studios and especially how it impacts these Blizzard franchises that we all care so much about and um, hopefully give the people um, a better place to work and uh, more opportunities to do something else with these franchises. But like Diablo four is it. And I still, I'm just, I don't, if Diablo four keeps getting pushed back, there's so much. If you look at the landscape of action RPGs, around the release of Diablo three, there really wasn't a lot of competition like Diablo three still, still ruled because Diablo two had such a long lifespan. Mm. But in the time since there's been a lot of experimentation in in that genre. And I still feel like there's room for somebody else to just really come in and take the skeleton to King's crown. Um, but it, yeah, if they keep pushing that back. I don't know if that game can have the impact. I mean, I say that with the, you know, how many times have we gone back to a season of Diablo three? So hopefully yeah. um, there's still some magic left there, but um, their immediate lineup, not um, lighting any fires. 
So no. let's check in on your games of the week. Uh, my game of the week is Cursed to Golf. The demo is out on Steam now. You can go and play that. Um, it's cool. It's it's I like I like its style. I like the soundtrack. It's like golf meets Celeste, but not with the introspective, really great storytelling and character stuff. None of that, but just in the way that like every single level is kind of like a platforming level that you have to figure out how to golf through. And like, they like wind down or sometimes they wind up. And so you have to do like bounce shots or use, um, there's like fans and teleporters and, uh, different things that you can use to try and get your way to the goal. And you basically have like, um, they call it par count, but it's basically like you have a shot count and, there are things that you can get in the levels that will increase it. And there are these, uh, you have these cards. And so they're like, um, mulligans. Um, you have a practice shot card. There's a scatter shot card where your ball breaks into three balls and then you get to choose the best one that you like. Um, there's one where you can like basically stop the shot in midair and it'll just drop straight down. So if you're trying to like, get it into a shaft or land it on something specific. You can do that. It's like a triggerable thing. Um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the full release. Uh, even though we don't know when that is, I don't think. So there were a couple weird 2d golf games that were announced in the last or released and announced in the last 18 months. And I, none of them seem to really land. Um, so I think I wrote this one off a bit ago, but yeah, I've kind of renewed my interest in it. So I'm glad that you've played it and had fun with it. Cause I'm, I could, I think I could definitely get into um, some of its quirkiness for sure. Yeah. The level design I think is what really makes it fun. And, and they, you go on runs. So you're trying to beat the 18 holes, but then if you fail, then it like kind of like reshuffles all the holes. So it's not necessarily that they're new holes but they'll just might be in like a completely different order to kind of keep each run fresh and you know you buy more cards and you try to figure out how you're gonna do that stuff so it's cool um shout outs uh monster hunter rise i am now over the hunter Mm -hmm. rank 100 mark for the second time um i have not gone up against the crimson dive bomber yet um trying to work on some some gear uh trying to kind of get everything lined up for the expansion that Mm -hmm. comes out next month yeah buddy yeah buddy and they've started doing videos for some of the weapon stuff and it looks so cool cannot wait um what was that what was that smart update i was excited about um I'll have to look it up oh you can just you can wall run now without having to wire bug into the wall (laughs) which is yeah (laughs) <laughs> that would be really nice. That's a that's a really nice quality of life. I love that they notice that stuff. Like it always kind of seems a little bit awkward, but it just it does feel like they're paying attention to the details and the fact that they're able to update this stuff. That's what it just really feels like. Sunbreak's going to be the complete version, which is what Iceborne yeah. felt like for World. So um, yeah, it'll yeah. be time to unleash the lunch hunts. Sunbreak's going to be great. Uh, We had a whole conversation. I think it sparked (laughs) off with you calling out a game for ripping off Vampire Survivor. And then there was this whole back and forth. And I was like, oh, yeah, Vampire Survivor. 
That game's fun. Yes. And so I uh, installed it on the old Steam Deck. Sure. And uh, played it on there. And hey, that game's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, One of the tricky parts, though, is when you go on a really good run and your arm starts falling asleep because that Steam Deck oh. weighs about 80 pounds. Uh, but it was fun. I finally... I don't know why. I could just never get a run going that was good, but I finally got the library uh, completed, which felt great. Um, it's always fun when you get to the end of one of those, and it's just you standing there and just stuff just... It, Melting. It's like, yeah, it's it's like uh, I just watched Endgame in preparation for Doctor Strange, and it's like those alien things running at the force field in Wakanda. <laughs> it's just like you're just sitting there like, let's see if anybody can get through. <laughs> uh yeah, that game's awesome. Uh, and it's like three dollars. Yep. If you have not played that Vampire Survivor yet, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, and then I got into Kwame Two a little bit more. Um, I kind of got thrown off because it's it's the combat feels a little bit different from one. Um, but I quickly kind of got my bearings, and um, it's kind of funny because like one of the things that drove me crazy about Kwame One is when you want to go into a restaurant, you have to like go up to the door and then push a button, and then it has to like load into the building because there are no like like I'm used to like in the Judgment series, you just walk into places because oh. like it's all it can all just be rendered uh when you need it but uh so kawami 2 was like i finally was like oh i can just walk into this building again i was like okay good i'm i'm glad that was only a one game thing that i had to deal with (laughs) and i can't remember if zero was that way or not i don't think it was i think zero got a bunch of improvements too so anyway i'm having fun uh i want to i want to keep getting through those um because there is there is the next um main main ish well no it's not main ish it's a sequel to like a dragon i think is the next game in the pipeline that's and gotta so be next I'm, year right i think so okay so i'm trying to kind of get my way back to like a dragon like and i'm slowly like getting myself hyped up to kind of do that again and like figure out what i did wrong the first time gotcha. um but yeah so just continuing right on well let's Wind down with the hype train. Uh, take a look at some new releases of the past week. We did talk about Salt Sacrifice. Also, last week, Evil Dead, the game, came out, which is kind of just... We haven't gotten into those horror shooter the survival games. Like, those are yeah. fun multiplayer games that um, uh pretty big elsewhere, but um, I might. I could be talked into playing that game. I love some Evil Dead, uh, which I'll talk about after the show. Um, and then... There's also a new Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song, which is, uh, I think, a point-and-click style adventure game in that universe. That's out this week. Um, We also... There's a lot of chatter about Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate dash Demon Hunters. I don't understand why sometimes Demon spelled with an A. Um, But um, that looked like a fun tactics game. But also, I need to play... I need to go back and play Gears Tactics or XCOM. Um, Hmm. But... um, that looked like a quality Warhammer game. It's which always I'm always looking for those because there's so damn many of them. But um, there's so many, so many Warhammer games, so few uh, ones worth playing. Um, I think you booted this up, but Trick to Yomi came out. I did not. Okay, did not boot it up. Okay. Um, and then I've seen some good hype around uh, Haiku the Robot. If you're looking for a fresh Metroidvania, 
Um, and then the Rift Tracks guys, they made a game. They partnered with the team that made that uh, What the Dub party game. So okay. if you know Rift Tracks, that's the original crew from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, but they're they made a game where you get to riff on their bad movies that they review. So they have mm. they've kind of had two modes where you play it on your phone like a Jackbox game, but um, you can either enter your own quips or choose from their giant list of quips and try to see who who wins that stuff. But the uh, the dumb movies that are packaged in with that game are kind of the star. So um, as far as what you're hyped for. What are you hyped for? <laughs> uh, Striker's hype is still going strong. Um, and, you know, don't give a crap if Daisy's not in the game. Like, one of the worst characters in the Mario universe. So, that's yes. a that's a bonus for me. Um, so, yeah, still excited to see what that's going to be like. Um, and then, like we said, Sunbreak. Uh, they're releasing... They're going to release a, a video for every single weapon. So, it's like... 14 weapons they did three of them today um so they'll keep dropping those um and kind of just continue to do that media rollout uh leading to the release of that game so i'm excited to hear more about that and then uh uh playing more kiwami 2 um I've, i've been jumping into rise just trying to grind up some gear um I don't, I have trucked Yomi. I have it installed. I uh, really got the legs cut out from sure. me with some of people's reactions to that game. Um, more, I think the most was Aaron because I I trust him to have like kind of a level middle of the road like uh, view of these things, and like he kind of even said he kind of bounced off okay. of it after a little bit. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I am looking forward to. Hard Space Shipbreaker finally going 1.0 at the end of the month. Um, that That's is cool. something I've enjoyed uh, multiple times during its early access phase. And then, yeah, I just watched that Mario Strikers video. Like, I'm like, who who's going to be on our team? We need four players, man. We need to, uh, <sighs> we got to climb that ladder. Um, <laughs> but I'm liking what I am seeing uh, so far. Some the The one skill that stood out was the fact that, like, if your teammate has the ball in front of you, you can do a dash and bump him and like and speed him up down the field. Like you can basically tackle nice. him and push him forward. Or on the defensive side, you could tackle one of your teammates and push them into the opponent. So Oh nice. Yeah, I just I kinda like the physicality of that. So um I yeah, I don't I don't know if Nintendo can really bring it on the Rocket League competitive le- level. Like I'm getting some, you know, I'm getting our knockout city vibes of like I can get in this if we're going to get into this, but we all yeah. we need four players and that's tough, but uh there's enough switches out there. Maybe we can at least make it happen and uh, you know, keep it low key. Maybe we don't need to jump on Discord for that stuff, but we can just jump into some games. So, yeah. Um and then this week, uh yeah, I've I've got some time. I'm going to jump back into Rise. I have nice. kind of, you know, made my peace with Elden Ring as far as like, I don't think I can play both those games at the same time, the way the combat works. Um, and it's tough. Yeah. And I want to, pl- I want to be ready for Sunbreak. So um going to be playing that uh, here the next couple weeks and then uh, continuing, man, um, lots of solo Rocket League, but again, soloing like 3v3s. So I'm not doing my 1v1 stuff anymore, but like 
I feel like, yeah, I, don't know, I feel like I'm getting better. So that's what it always comes down to with that game. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Salt and Sacrifice will be the, kind of the the other game that's uh, floating around here this week. So uh, that's going to do it for Night Force for this week. So thanks, everyone, for hanging out and checking us out. And we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.